I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today's a special day. This is episode number 50. I have a special guest with me to celebrate that, Rich Daly, Executive Chairman of Broadridge Financial Solutions. Rich, thanks for joining. Great to be here. Well, Rich, I want to get to the present and the future, but to get there, I really want to start where you started your career. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) So 1974, you graduate from New York Institute of Technology with a degree in accounting. You cut your teeth at a few public accounting firms. Talk to me a little bit about those years and how those may have served as a foundation for where we are today. Public accounting for me was terrific. I grew up in a very street-smart environment. So when I became an accountant, I always had this natural ability and desire to get behind the numbers. Very early in my career, within the first year, I found fraud in a literally a major public company. And it was that desire, again, to say, okay, I see what it's supposed to be, but I just can't make this work. And, you know, you just keep pushing and digging. And then beyond the numbers, the actual are they right That same street smarts always gave me a desire, okay, well, then how could it actually work better? And if it could work better, how would the numbers actually and the results actually be better? So it it was a good foundation for me to start in business. So, Rich, during those years, did you already have an entrepreneurial spirit? Talk to me a little bit about your background and yeah it's it's crazy so i grew up with you know nine years old i had forged working papers i uh you know was uh, newsday's carrier of the year because uh, i could sell even back then so i i did have a desire to control destiny but in my early stage i thought you know what being a partner in a big aid firm which was what they called the largest accounting firms yeah. back then was the initial desire So, Rich, 1987, you start your own proxy services business, certified services. Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. So, after my last Big A gig, I went with a client that was in the proxy business. And it was a startup, and it seemed like a pretty good idea. When I had left there, I went to work for the largest client of that company. The company was called Independent Election. Mm -hmm. That client was Thompson McKinnon. And I got the call from the guy who had just got promoted from senior vice president of operations to the executive committee, John Hogan. And he asked me if I'd be interested in his old job. And I thought, wow, this could really be interesting because I had a desire to start another business when I left independent election. I had a non-compete. And this gave me an opportunity to go to Wall Street and really learn about the organizations I was going to try to service. And at the same time, John said to me, you know, we'll teach you the back office if you teach us about customer service. So we're really pretty good at that at that point in time. And it was at Thompson McKinnon and on Wall Street, two things happened. One, I really did learn what the right proxy product would be, along with other products, whether it be statements, prospectus, et cetera. And the other thing is I became part of the fraternity of back office executives. And that was really instrumental in helping me grow the business once we launched. So two years later, you sell to ADP. Talk to me about the reasoning for that sale. Sure. When I started the business, I was the senior vice president of operations at Thompson McKinnon. And I had hired programmers, and the programmer was going extraordinarily well. 
I did this with the financial support of a guy by the name of Artie Long, who owned a company called DF King, which was one of the premier proxy solicitors at the time. Mm -hmm. Very quickly into the deal, within three or four months, Artie passed away. So now I have the situation where my backer is gone. The programming is going better than anticipated, which is almost never the case. So now I have to make a decision. So I funded the programming myself as we went forward looking for capital. I had two VCs, Venrock and J.H. Whitney, who backed out. And the problem was, this was just after the 87 financial crisis. So we have this problem where there really, when I say there's no capital, I couldn't raise three million bucks for what's now a $20 billion market cap company. Right. So when I say there's no capital, that would have been a fair return for someone. Fair, yeah. (laughs) So it was then that I got the call from ADP. And I really wanted to see this thing get launched. I didn't really want to give up that control of destiny that I was looking to get again, but I really did want to see this launch. And and partnering with ADP in so many ways was really the right way to go forward. It gave us brand credibility, and it also gave me the opportunity to have a pretty good career at ADP for 17 years. And you went into ADP as Senior Vice President of the Brokerage Services Group, right? That's correct. Yeah. Reporting to Bob Cassell, who, yeah. was, a, who was a great mentor and just, just somebody who gave me all the way I needed to do the job they hired me for, as well as launch this communications business. You know, I got to ADP in 89, and we grew the communications business from zero to a billion bucks in a little over seven years. It was the fastest growing business from start to where we were in the history of ADP, including the payroll business. So it it was really pretty remarkable. When the tech bubble burst, leading to that, the brokerage group with an ADP was dragging ADP's average even higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were telling the street we could probably do 15%. And a lot of that was because of the brokerage services group within yep. ADP. Yeah. When that tech bubble burst, we missed our plan by a significant amount. It was the first time ADP missed double-digit quarters. I think it was like 168 quarters in a row. Something like right. that was the run. Right. And which was just extraordinary. That put ADP, which in the employer services unit just had incredible predictability. Mm -hmm. And it made them challenge, is the brokerage group and some of these other units really the right fit? That led to the spin. And that's how we became Broadridge. Yeah, that that spin was 2006 announced, 2007, you spun off. And at that point, you were then CEO of Broadridge Financial Solutions. And I'd be curious, did that bring you back to those days where you were in control? And did it bring back some of that passion around where you started? One would think, all right? (laughs) And and, and I, I guess it fits into it was spectacular and be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Okay, because yes, we were spun. And, but, you know, like 20 minutes after we were spun, the real financial crisis happened. And now you're talking about a company that services the financial services industry. We have major clients like Bear Stearns and Lehman going away. Those financial hits we were taking were pretty significant. But it was a really exciting time. And throughout it, 
we always believe that the opportunity for Broadridge and the need for Broadridge to take us and our clients to the next level was very real. Also, at the same time, you you had ADP probably feeling vindicated for having spun you off at that time, but then you got through the dip, and it's just been growth from there forward. Well, let's let's talk about the the time of the spin and the things we needed to do to set the course, because that really has a lot to do with, you know, how Broadridge became Broadridge. Mm-hmm. And then it's so exciting to see where Tim Gokey and the team are taking Broadridge today. But let's let's go back to that. You know, at the time of the roadshow, I remember being at the Pierre Hotel with about 200 potential investors in the room mm-hmm. and saying that we were committed to transform this business and do the right thing and that we would disrupt ourselves before we let anyone else disrupt us, right? The business was built on the philosophy of the service profit chain, which says if you want to have a growing, successful business, you don't start with the bottom line. You start with the associates. You invest in those associates, and you make them the best-treated and best-capable associates in your space. That will enable you to exceed customer expectations on a consistent basis. And that consistent execution will lead to the best financial performance. So it sounds pretty simple, but too many people start with, how do I get the best financial performance? Let me cut here. Let me not invest there. Let me goose the bottom line here. Okay. And and it just doesn't work. Okay. You have to think with that long-term mindset. We're looking to invest for the long term. We have the financial crisis, okay? And even to keep everyone in the boat whole, mm-hmm. you know, customers, shareholders, and associates, okay, you know, we're looking for change in the seat cushions at the end of the night. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty interesting time. But what I really am most proud of is the way we managed through the financial crisis, okay? And... As soon as things started to turn, instead of jamming it all to the bottom line, we made commitments to invest for the long term. And that investing in the long term enabled us to eliminate 80% of the paper. It enabled us to focus on investing in issuers, digital tax, data, global. We got into blockchain. You know, in GTO, very early on when Tim Gokey joined, when he transformed from being the head of strategy, which I really wanted them to have that opportunity to be able to participate in Broadridge overall. And when we moved him to be the COO of the business, okay, I asked him to transform GTO, our back office business. And working with Charlie Montesani, it was extraordinary what they did. That business went from shrinking every year to growing every year. Okay, we invested there in things like LTX, which was the very beginning of the fixed income transformation to really use AI to look at all the data we have and find natural buyers going forward. And that led to LTX. There was early investments into wealth, nothing like what Tim and the team have done now. And of course, we were looking to be cloud everywhere. Right. So um, it was an exciting time to get to that value creation. But, you know, we, were, we spent years stuck between 20 and 24 and not taking an hour off the ball and still investing for the long term. 
And that was dollars per share you're talking about, 20 to $24 per share, and right. when you're at 170 Share price, plus. yes. Well, this team got us to 170 yeah. You know, we got, we got the pretty close to 140 and then took a step back uh, during the transition, and now it's been, you know, just a, a fabulous run. So on that note, you moved to the executive chairman role in, <laughs> in early 2019. You gave Tim the, the reins of CEO. Talk to me about what excites you now about what you're seeing happening at Broadridge. So going back to the very beginning, we knew that it was going to be about talent. So when I talk about that service profit chain, if you start with the associate, you have to have the best, highest engaged associates. And I don't care who you are, what you're doing, and what you're running. Bringing in the best talent and bringing in talent better and smarter than you are is what leaders need to do, particularly in a world that's moving as quickly as this. So I started and was very blessed with the core I had when we spun. You know, John Hogan, God smiled on me when I met John. He was a great customer, okay? John was my boss. I was John's boss. You know, we always both agreed it would be better not to be the boss, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I had Bob Schifoletti, who was my right hand. I hired Bob in 85, and, you know, Bob has just been, you know, the, the guy you could count on every day forever. Charlie Marchesani was very strong in his role in GTO. Adam Amsterdam was my confidant. And the guy who, when I say we need to do the right thing, Adam always helped me keep on the right path as general counsel. Doug, I convinced to join us at the spin, Doug the Shutter. He started with strategy. And I was the one who said, look, you know, if this business is going to be successful for the long term, we have to lead in digital, not participate. We have to lead And that was a thankless task I gave Doug, and I'm so proud how they really took that. They were transforming something, okay? Disrupting yourself is never an easy thing to do. And by the way, within your own organization, it's never a popular thing to do. You know, I don't think he ever had to have his wife start his car, but I'm sure it came close (laughs) at times, all right? Bob Kalenka, you know, has always been, you know, just a very solid guy. And Tom Carey, was always there for us on the global side, okay? And then, of course, you had VLK in India, who also played just such a significant role. And I know I'm forgetting somebody, and I know I'm going to be writing apology notes at some point (laughs) here. You know, then we had ads like Tim Gokey, and I specifically recruited Tim very hard. Chris Perry, I recruited very hard. VJ Myers, I mean, VJ is, is really did a great job with strategy, and now what he's doing overall in fixed income in, in GTO overall. But, but I, I have a bias, and I am really, really excited about LTX. Mike Tay coming in for strategy. Dorothy Flynn, Martin Koopman, Mike Libertor, who's always been a solid performer there. So the talent is what excites me. And, I, and I'm particularly excited because now this is his chairman. The board and I couldn't be more excited and how seriously Tim has taken what I thought was a great run I had in talent, taking it to the next level with the people that he's now bringing in yeah. to take Broadridge yet again dramatically to the next level. And let me tell you something. It's always more difficult to grow something from, call it, 10 to 15 million up, billion, excuse me, mm-hmm. than it is to grow something from 
you know, a billion or two to 12 or 15. Right. Okay. It's, it's the compounding of numbers. It's just much harder when the numbers are larger. Yeah. So again, what excites me going forward? Wealth. Yep. What Tim is doing with UBS and the team, creating a true modular environment, making investments as part of this that we really need to make and finding that money and that commitment, just like I called it in the past, do the right thing, invest yeah. for the future. These are meaningful investments Broadridge is making right now. We're going to create the new industry standard. In fixed income, absolutely the same thing, using AI. We're making it a sell-side play because we've always been a sell-side company. Yeah. That's who our real customer is. And with that real customer, okay, we're going to create a quantum leap in the way fixed income is transacted with a level of transparency and efficiency never seen before. Really exciting. And then, of course, that leads us to digital. Rich, I'm glad you mentioned digital. Uh, whoa, because- whoa. <laughs> Isn't that why we're here? <laughs> well, it sure is. I, I know that it's a, it's a topic that's very relevant for our listeners and our audience. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about what makes you so excited about what we're doing with digital. All right. So early on, I mentioned we eliminated 80% of the paper. And a lot of people would look at that and say, you know, check the box, mission accomplished, move on. Digital isn't about eliminating paper. It's about transforming the customer experience, right? It's about people are willing to give up paper because it's a hassle. But the digital experience has not yet transformed to where it's dramatically better than a paper experience. That is what Broadridge Digital is all about. So over the last decade, we've invested probably, if you had everything going into this, close to a billion bucks to make this happen. And obviously it needs to be efficient, obviously needs to be easier. But if you think about the lies that everyone lives today, and I mean everyone, time versus managing all the content that's sent at you is critical. And we need to get people on arguably one of the most important aspects of their life, their financial well-being. We need to get them masses amounts of information very efficiently so that they can understand financial decisions that they've made better and potential financial decisions going forward better. I mean, I could go on all day about this, but I'm so excited when I look at where Broadridge's communications cloud is and what it's going to enable going forward. So speaking of going forward, what are your thoughts on the future of the communication space? All right, so let's use a great example where Broadridge partnered with a large fund client. Now, most people own mutual funds. If you own a mutual fund, you're going to get a semi-annual and annual at a minimum, and you could get other communications. These documents are written by lawyers. There's really important information in there. There's information you should really want to know. But it's not easy to manage. With this client that wanted to transform their customer's experience, we went into these documents and pulled out the key information for their customers to see. The hit rate on that was 40 times higher. So people want this information. 
Now, that's where we talk about transforming an experience, where you can, in the face of an email, know really what you need to know about that investment. So you can follow up with your financial advisor, so you can be better informed, so you can invest more, challenge more, understand more. It's your financial future. And think about those emails today. Often they're very transactional in nature. It says, you know, click here to view this document, and it doesn't have the experience embedded in it that you're talking about now. Exactly. And this goes all the way back to that roadshow about disrupting ourselves. So think about it. Doug DeShutter was given the job a decade ago to completely disrupt what we do in the communication space under Bob Schifoletti's leadership. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, Tim who is, you know, picked up where I left off and has taken that to a next level. But we're disrupting ourselves, going all the way back to that roadshow at the Pierre Hotel, okay, before we spun in April of 87, all right? And it's that communications cloud that gives us the back end because our clients are actually pretty good at transforming the look and feel on the front end. Yeah. You go to their website, you want to see what your balance is, you want to see a transaction, it's all there. But these are complex organizations and aggregating across all of their different platforms. Take our bank broker clients. You can have a mortgage. You can have a car loan. You can have multiple brokerage loans. You can have your 401k. You can have all these pieces there. What we're doing with that cloud is giving the ability to look across all those different systems on the back end and put it all in that communications cloud and allow the customer through their choice, to have one experience for everything they're doing with that financial institution. It's really an exciting time. Excellent. Well, Rich, thank you for your perspective, your insights, your presence, and sharing this 50th episode with me. Well, look, it was a blast to be here. And you know, now that I'm chairman on the sidelines here, looking at this journey across everything Broadridge is doing, and specifically digital, is just a blast for me to have a front row seat. Well, I welcome you in the front row, so thank you. (laughs) I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you're ready to reimagine your customer experiences, consider the Broadridge Communications Cloud, an end-to-end platform for creating, delivering, and managing omni-channel customer communications. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn.